0: Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas. And if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, it's Saturday and you're back with us. Although maybe you don't wanna to be today.
1: No, this is important. I am so glad you're back. It's a, it's a sign of good faith and a commitment to reading scripture that you're here. It's true. This is a good thing. Yeah, we believe the whole Bible is inspired, not the just the parts that we like. Bible is
0: inspired. All well, let's, of it. Let's talk about that for a second because we have uh, a breadth of ages in our church, and some younger are. Uh, of reading age and yet I know for example back at our sending church our junior hires when we did our our bible reading program our junior hires were encouraged not to read the old testament they just read the new testament or maybe they weren't actively encouraged not to but their their bible reading plan was only new testament um pastor your experience working with students what would you how would you counsel some of our parents when we're dealing with some less than pg or maybe more than pg i don't know uh things even in in chapter 15 like we're going to get into this we're talking about bodily discharges and some other things that uh on that note hey parents just a a warning that that maybe this is an episode you want to pre-screen but how what would you counsel our our moms and dads on that because of the day and time in which we live i think by and large
1: our young people are not going to be surprised by what they read in fact it's rather tame the bible doesn't handle r-rated activities in X-rated ways. Sure. Even the Song of Solomon, which is about marital love, and there's a lot of symbolism, but there's also some blunt words. It's, it's not, I mean, you could see far worse driving past a billboard on yeah. your way home to work or way home from work. I mean, the, I think our kids are exposed to much more than what they've been used to. And therefore, I'm far more comfortable with texts like this because I'd rather beat them to the punch. I want Bible to frame how they think about these topics of conversation. So I'm not saying that you should do it nilly-willy, but I do think by and large, parents would probably do well to help their kids enter into the, the world of the Bible sooner than later, probably earlier than you might be comfortable with, because they're going to be exposed earlier than any of us would ever have been planned. Uh, they are exposed to content that you and I would say that's reprehensible. I mean, even, okay, even some of the Super Bowl halftime show. Right. There were people dancing on poles. <clears throat> that's, you know, no thanks.
0: That's willy nilly.
1: <laughs> that's willy nilly.
0: What what do you mean? You said nilly-willy, and Uh, I was just saying, that's That's willy-nilly. Yeah,
1: stuff like that. And and I'm sure most of us weren't faced by it. Right. We saw it and like, okay, yeah, they're dancing on poles. We don't even see this stuff anymore. So I'm going to say, by and large, the Bible is a safer bet for most families, even at younger ages, um, because it's gonna it's gonna beat them to the punch on some of the things that the culture wants to expose them to.
0: Yeah, okay, well then talk to the mom and dad who are out there whose kids are being homeschooled right now and they don't have television at home and uh, they are, are careful about what they allow their kids to see and they're not as concerned. They don't have smartphones, they're not on social media. So th- there's really a limited number of outside voices that their kids are being exposed to right now what do you what do we say to the, to those parents you could have some really good filters in your home
1: you could have a, you know the best air filters and it's taking out all the nonsense and that's that's good i'm i'm stoked for you and i'm i'm excited that you're doing that um the reality is you're going to have to leave the house at some point and you can't control what's happening outside your house and at some point i think they're going to be exposed so even that i would still say and that's fantastic pa- parents obviously i'm not saying that you should blanket blanket statement expose your youngest kids to everything i'm simply suggesting that it's probably earlier than what you and i would be led to believe yeah for your family it's going to be different the age range of ex- exposure to the the harsher themes that scripture talks about it's going to look different for each of your kids even within your own family right you're going to have different ages for different stages so you, uh, apply this with
0: wisdom but i'm going to say probably for most of us it's going to be earlier than you expect and and what's the benefit uh for maybe the the parent that's out there that's saying okay but uh, keeping my kid in the New Testament, that's where we learn about Christ. That's where we learn about the gospel. That's where we learn about you know, the, the doctrines that, that are so important. So what's the benefit to introducing our kids at a younger age to some of these things? You mentioned one, that, that, that they're going to find it in the world. But is there a, is there a, a positive benefit, a spiritual benefit um, to talking through some of these these more sensitive subjects of scripture earlier than, than saying, Hey, we're going to wait. And why don't we just focus on Jesus right now?
1: Yeah. And I think that probably one of the biggest benefits is that because we're storytelling creatures, we, we love stories. All of us are story telling still story, interpreting creatures. And so as we let the word inform the way that we think about the world around us, the better able, we're going to navigate some of those really nasty, ugly, heavy truths, death and, and, and Other unspeakable things in the scriptures are things that we need to have a category for. And again, there's an age where it's not going to make sense. You shouldn't do this. But most young people can understand I'm in a story. I've been teaching uh, my oldest son how to understand the grand meta narrative of scripture, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. That's the four act play that God has all of us in. And as we understand that story, it's going to help us to make sense of the bad things that happen. It's going to help us to make sense of, of when cancer hits the family or when... You know, God forbid your close relative, uh, the the guy cheats on the gal or some other terrible thing. Mm -hmm. We're surrounded in a world of brokenness and sin. And I want to beat the sin to the punch by saying, kids, I talk to my young kids about death all the time. And that's a topic that's fairly taboo, but I talk about it freely. Yeah. I pray about that. I pray that we always are aware of our death and that we're thinking about the fact that we're going to die and that we're going to face the Lord and we want to be ready. Yeah. I talk to my young kids about that, which could make them and some people would say they make them neurotic and be always afraid of death and always be afraid of what this life's going to do. I don't think that's had the effect on them. To the contrary, I think what it does is help make it comfortable to realize We're we're creatures that have a a short lifespan, whatever that number is, God knows. And we need to be ready for that. I talked to my kids around the dinner table about their sister possibly dying when, when Phoebe was in the hospital. They were saying, it's really bad. It's really bad. Okay, I need to get myself ready. I need to get them ready. So I talked to my kids. We prayed for Phoebe. If the Lord wanted to take her and we talked about death and the potential of what, what could happen in the hospital, Like I, I didn't shy away from that because this mm-hmm. is exactly what the Bible prepares us for. Yeah. So granted, you, you might feel like that's a, that's a bad move on my part. I get that. People have different approaches to this, but I think the Bible should be the, the primary uh, storyteller in our family's life. It helps mm-hmm. us to interpret everything from birth to death and everything else in between. And I want that to be the primary source in my family. That's
0: good. That's super helpful. Yeah. I, re- I remember we had a, a, a sweet family in AV who would, uh, the the mom would come over and babysit for us sometimes when we were there and she'd be putting our, our kids to bed and, you know, my, my kids would be upset and be like, are mom and dad going to be home soon? And her response was always, that's the prayer and the plan, but we can't know for sure. It's up to the Lord. On
1: that one. <laughs> <laughs> so they're like, okay. wait, well, wait, wait, not come home. That's right. They may not come home.
0: <laughs> no lie. I mean, that's that's really where where we were at with that. So I understand. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, let's uh, let's let's talk about some of this uncomfortable uh, stuff.
1: Well, uh, the, we start off on a good foot. The right. cleansing of the lepers. That's yeah, good. That's,
0: that is good. The the lepers get clean. Uh, yeah. Verses two through thirty one of chapter fourteen is dealing with the cleansing of the person. Uh, the rest of the chapter is dealing with the cleansing of the the abode, the house. Um, there was kind of a, a two-week process with the person if, if week one wasn't effective or if it was even there, there's more to do there, including sacrifices. Uh, notice in verse 14 that uh, they also, much like the priests, had the blood of the animal placed on their extremities, on their earlobe and on their thumb and on their big toe. They're consecrated. Um, they're consecrated, right? Yeah. You're calling them back into fellowship. And, and and devotion to the Lord there. And then they're sprinkled with oil and their garments are sprinkled with oil. And the oil there had not as much of an anointing impact there, as much of uh, symbolic of purification um, uh, versus with the priest. It was to set them aside. It was to consecrate them and set them aside for the use in God's service of the, the, the tabernacle. That's not exactly what's taking place here. This is more of another element of the, the persecution there. And as Pastor Rod always likes to point out, there's a special accommodation given for the poor. Again, for those that it. weren't able to, to afford the full sacrifice there. Yeah, that's, this is what,
1: when Jesus says, go offer the sacrifice according to the law. This is what they would have read. They, they would have went to Luke Leviticus 14 and said, okay, well, let me make sure I'm doing this. Yep. I don't know if the leper would have touched the scroll and, and said, look, can I read this? Or if he would have went to the priest and said, priest, help me understand. I, I need to I need to offer the sacrifice. Right. You, need, you need to verify that I'm clean and then let me do the thing this is cool we're reading this is the bible jesus read yeah this is what jesus memorized this is so cool
0: yeah the thankful leper would have come back with blood on his ear on yeah his toe and his finger <laughs> he would have said, look there i am yeah thank you yeah that's super cool yeah the, then we get into the house and this is interesting because it's it's this disease could could uh, uh, at least some of them it appears could go from the the person to the uh the physical items there and so um you get this process here of how, what it looks like to cleanse the house and what that should be like. And, and there's an examination there. And, and if there was success, uh, it, look, verse 53 is interesting. So he shall make atonement for the house, uh, atonement for a, a physical thing for an abode. And, and, and I guess we've seen that with the tabernacle that, that, uh, that the, the the tabernacle atonement would be made for that uh, according to some of the sins that were committed by the, the priest or by the, the congregation as a whole that it needed to atone for. But it's unique that the house is being atoned for here because we think of people being atoned for, but not so much physical objects as much. Funny that you should bring
1: this up because I think this makes perfect sense. When you hear about people who have experiences with the paranormal, you know, we talk about haunted houses or areas that have a dark energy, that kind of thing. This makes perfect sense because if the demonic force is out there, and we of course believe that they are, there's spiritual warfare happening all around us, it seems like there could be unclean places, even today, where there's a stronghold of some sort. There's a demonic presence there. For whatever reason, they're there. And it inha- they inhabit, if you can use that word, a physical location. So I'm not saying that we should necessarily cast out demons in your basement or your apartment, but that it just seems like there is... There is a connection to the physical realm in the spiritual realm. And somehow or another, they're, they're inhabiting or connected to a physical location. And it's a job of the Christian to expel that darkness, whatever that looks like. Again, I'm not suggesting that you cast out demons from your basement, but I am saying there there's precedent here in scripture that there can be an unclean place and a clean
0: place. And what it looked like here was a matter of sacrifices. My wife's, uh, one of my wife's friends in college, she cast demons out of her air conditioner in her dorm room do. that must have been a scary air conditioner. Yeah, yes, yeah. So that's not what we're talking about. But let's say somebody had concern over this, and they came to to you or me and said, "Hey, pastors, I've got concern that there might be something dark in my house. Um, What are they asking us to do? How would you say this is what they, their their request might look like, or what we would respond? How we would respond? What we would do in a situation like that?" So, one of my old churches, my pastor moved
1: into a home that was previously owned by a a Chinese woman who was a Buddhist, had the statues all over, yada, yada, yada. My pastor began to have strange occurrences in the house. You know, the the walking across the top of the, you know, the walking upstairs, no one was home. Faucets turning on, no one is home. You know, just things, there's strange things that are happening. So he began to be concerned enough to say, I'm going to call the elders of the church and I'm just going to have them come and pray with me for this area. And so that's what he did. He had, you know, I don't know how many guys it was at the time, but they came to the house and and they prayed for each room. And they said, Lord, we take, we take dominion over this This is your home. We want this to be a place where your spirits felt that kind of thing. And he prayed for it. And that was it. They didn't, they didn't, to my knowledge, didn't cast out any demons and put their hand on the walls and say the demons be gone. They just prayed for it and took, took ownership of it for the sake of Christ. And so I think I think that was effective. I don't recall any stories after the fact. But if someone were, were experiencing something like that at their home, I think we would do that. We'd go and we'd pray for you. We'd pray for the home and say we dedicate it to you. We're going to take uh, we're going to take our Bibles with us and cite Scripture and, and do what we can to to set it apart for the sake of Christ. So again, we're not going to anoint it. We're not going to put oil on your ear or your big toe. we're, we're going to say this is for the Lord, and we're going to trust that that's going to be efficacious.
0: Yeah, that's helpful. What would you say to that? Yeah, I would I would agree. Um, you know, we w- we would do that. I think. Here's my only caveat. I think sometimes we can shift the focus from personal responsibility for sin in our lives to the realm of the demonic. And we can... Interesting. What do you mean by that? Meaning something weird is going on in my life and, and we're like, oh, there, there must be dark forces you know, in my house. And so I need somebody to come and, and pray the dark forces away from my house. Mm versus, now, maybe the, you've got some sin in your life that's unconfessed that you need to deal with, that God's disciplining in your life. Now, people walking upstairs, I don't know about all that, but, um, but there might be a, a, an ability to say, okay, I think sometimes we can blame the demons pretty quickly rather than taking personal responsibility for our own sin and, and first examining the house of our bodies to say, okay, do I need to deal with anything personally before I, I make conclusions?
1: Or it could be both. I or mean, that's what go? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, right? Yeah. Uh, in order to keep me from becoming pri- uh, proud, uh, the, the Lord sent a messenger to afflict me. A messenger of Satan. Right. And that's crazy. Yep. He sends a, a, a messenger of the devil. And this gets complicated because, again, the Lord's not guilty. He doesn't do any evil, but he right. utilizes evil for his good purposes. That's what Paul said. The right. Lord sent a messenger of Satan to afflict me, and I prayed, and he said, "My grace is sufficient for you." So the, the answer to Paul was, "No, I'm not going to relieve you of this of right. this affliction. You're going to have to deal with it, and trust that I'm going to use it, in spite of the fact that you don't like it."
0: Even Saul, King Saul, right? He had an evil spirit from the Lord, dude, that afflicted him. Crazy. Yeah, that caused him to pick up a spear and throw it at David. The Lord's yeah, anointing. cause. He chose to do that,
1: but yes, he incited him, right? And and he willingly gave into that. And that's where I, I, I get. I, I think I'm probably more comfortable talking about this than the average reformed Christian, because I think it's it's probably much more happening, much more than maybe what we give credit for. The the two polar mistakes is it's everywhere. My computer. I'm casting out demons from my air conditioner, or it's not happening happening at all. And I think C.S. Lewis says something clever and 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 helpful about that. But just saying, I don't want to be blind to it. And I don't want to pretend it's happening all over. My carburetor is not inhabited by a demon. Right. Um, but it's happening. And so I should be aware of that.
0: Right. And, and I think remembering demons, the, the goal of demons are not to to scare you. The goal of demons are to hinder you in your pursuit of Christ. I mean, it's the, the, the thing Satan wants more than anything else is not to be like, "Boo." Ah, right. Or be like, oh no, what's that? There's a ghost in my closet. No, they're, they're after the the slowing down of your, your Christ-likeness and the, the hindering of your progressive sanctification. If you're a believer, you can't be possessed by a demon. You, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit and there's not a demon that can take up residence in you. Um, demonic oppression, demonic possession, those are different categories and we're talking more of the oppression than we are the possession here. But the, the, the demons that are popularized in our culture are more about the the Halloween kind of like ooey, you know, scaring, jump out of the, the closet and oh no, I've got a ghost in my under my bed type. I don't think that's the dem- demonic realm that we're up against. They can inspire fear and fear can paralyze you and fear can cause doubt in your your heart for sure. But this is more about your Christ likeness and your pursuit of the Lord than it is they're out to scare you.
1: Amen to that. And, and I guess what, let's offer the countermeasure to this. One of the best ways to ward the dark the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, put on the armor of God. Yep. Do what God says. Obey His word. Sing His praises. Pray for the protection of yourself, your family, your pastors. I mean, live the Christian life. That's one of the best deterrents and one of the best offenses to the, the the evil around you. Yeah. Don't go searching for them. Don't communicate with them. Don't pull out your Ouija board and start trying to figure out how to get rid of them and asking them their preferences. Don't, don't commune with the devil. Right. Um, The reason scripture is so adamant about, about this is because it's real and it's dangerous and you should be very cautious around this stuff. Again, the best defense is a good offense. Live a faithful Christian life. Love the Lord, your God, and let that be your protection.
0: Super helpful. All right. Let's talk about bodily fluids. I thought we were done. Well, I wish we were, but no, we, we got to talk about bodily fluids. Okay. Well, I'm going to step out. You go for it. Oh, no, Drop wait a minute. Out. No. See, yesterday I said that was going to be your job. Is that the hey. demon walking upstairs? <laughs> <laughs> no, that was me walking out of the office. Yeah, was it? My well, sound
1: effects? It's or deceptive. It? Okay.
0: All right. Hey, Uh. yeah. So we're dealing with males in versus two through eight. <laughs> males. Um, <laughs> there's a video. This guy. They, never mind. We're dealing with men in verses 2 through 18 and uh, various discharges here. And, uh, again, this is kind of the the pre-screen section. Parents, uh, we we won't get into graphic detail, but it's... We'll use the words the Bible uses. Yeah, we'll use the words the Bible uses. Verses 2 through 12, we we get this idea of the long-term discharge um, from a man, which is unique in our understanding of things. I think when we get to the females and we see the long-term discharge, we've got a New Testament category for this with the woman who had just that, who touches the, the the hem of Jesus' garment, and he feels the power go out from him, and he stops, and she's healed. I think that's what we're dealing with there, and I think, you know, even today, we see uh, examples of situations like that in the the female realm, but for men to have this long-term discharge, and, and so there have been some that have said, well, maybe this is uh, this is not necessarily from the reproductive organ, that this could be a discharge from somewhere else on the body, but it, it really contextually, when you, you look at the counterparts with the females, it appears that, no, this is dealing with the, the sexual organs here. Um, and so there is a discharge that's proceeding from that that is long-term, and it's causing him to be defiled. In fact, not just him, but anything he touches or even sits on is, uh, or comes into contact with or anyone he comes into contact with is defiled as a result of this as well.
1: Right. And, and, and probably what's being referred to here in terms of the, the bodily discharge is, is going to be the, the G word, and it's an STD. And yeah, yeah that's it. Yep. Probably what's happening here.
0: Yeah, well, in response to this, there's a sacrifice that's required, and that's laid out in verses 13 through 15. To be clean, they needed to go and they needed to offer a sacrifice, and, uh, and that, of course, once the discharge was, was stopped, and then they would be made clean and allowed to reconvene with the, the people and no longer be a source of defilement. Uh, verses 16 through 17, then, again, a biblical word here, we get the concept of semen, the discharge of semen. Um, And the person that has a discharge of semen, the man that does, is unclean until evening. Uh, One commentator Wenham said this, that the practical effect of this legislation was that when a man had religious duties to perform, whether this involved worship or participation in God's holy wars, according to Wenham, his view is that that basically God is prohibiting sexual intercourse. Before war or worship. Before war or worship. Yeah. Yeah. Which factors into when... King David sees Bathsheba, commits the sin with Bathsheba, and calls Uriah back from the front lines. Uriah's like, nope. Yeah, and tells Uriah to go in and sleep with his wife. Uriah says, I'm not going to do it. And it could come back to a passage like this. And Uriah understands, no, for me to do that, I would make myself unclean. I wouldn't be uh, eligible to go back to the front lines and, and fight. Which would only heighten the fact that Uriah was the better man in that situation. Oh, for sure.
1: The character, spectacular. Yeah,
0: yeah. So discharge of semen unclean until evening after sexual relations with the wife Un- again unclean until evening there in verse eighteen. Anything on more on the the men? Pierre?
1: No, I no.
0: Yeah, I'm good. Okay, are you sure? <laughs> yes. Should we do a, another podcast special episode just on? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, verses nineteen through thirty uh, dealing with the females dealing with the fairer sex, uh, nineteen through twenty-three dealing with menstruation. Um, long-term male discharge of, uh, that concept. A lot of the same concepts applied here, The the that which would become defiled. In fact, we've already encountered this in our Bible reading. If you think back to Rachel, who stole some of Laban's gods uh, and hid them in her saddle, which she s- sat upon in her tent. And when Laban came to search her tent, she said, hey, the, the way of women is upon me, meaning I'm, I'm uh, on my period. I'm and I can't get up. And even more so if she had stood up, Laban wouldn't want to search underneath because what she had been sitting on was it's unclean. unclean. Uh, and, and granted, Laban was not a believer, was not a, a part of the people of God at that point, And so he's not thinking Leviticus, but right. a lot of this stuff carried over uh, across other religions as well. So again, the idea here, uh,
1: holiness and cleanness uh, represented by wholeness and normality. Blood is the atoning the atoning thing on on the altar, yep. but here it's not in it's not in the right place, so to speak. It's not happening in the right way, right. and so it's unclean, even though it's used as a means for cleanliness or cleaning someone who's a, a worshipper. So the idea, again, try it in your mind to say, okay, what's happening here is God's making the distinction as pastor P just reminded us, but that distinction again is connected to wholeness and normality. That's going to help us as we continue through the next several chapters after the day of atonement, we're going to get to that one tomorrow, Yep. Uh, but just keep that in mind. So it's nothing against the ladies, nothing against the men. It's just saying, okay, normal wholeness, cleanness.
0: That's what we're looking at. Right. Right. After the period of menstruation, there's no sacrifice required here. Um, they just have to wait the period of time, and then they are are clean, again. clean. Yeah, uh, with sexual relations, same thing as with men. In verse twenty four, they're unclean until evening, and then in mm-hmm. verses twenty five through twenty seven, here's the long term uh, situation for the ladies. Like there was a long term situation for the men, um, and this one, much like the men's sacrifice, was required this time at, at the conclusion of that.
1: Right, and yeah, I, I'm, that, that's it. I was going to add another thought, but I think I'm okay.
0: Verse 31 kind of summarizes all of this pretty well for us. As it says this, the Lord says, thus you shall keep the people of Israel separate from their uncleanness, lest they die in their uncleanness by defiling my tabernacle that is in their midst. And so uh, all of these laws, rules and regulations are set in place by God through Moses in order to protect the people in order that they would not commit the same sin. For example, as Nadab and Abihu of, of treating common, what God has declared to be his and, and, and uh, in approaching him in a a manner that's not fit to be approached in that sense. And so God provides these guides, these rules and regulations, really as an act of grace and mercy to the people so that they would be able to have a relationship with him in the first place. Which I'm thankful, and we've mentioned this before, this makes me so thankful for the cross because we're not under the same rules and regulations, by and large, that they were. I'm tired just reading through it. Yeah, I don't know what it would be like to live this out. Have to remember all of the. Yeah.
1: Okay. Am I clean right now? Am I unclean? Do right. I can I can I go offer my sacrifice? What sacrifice do I bring? I, I mean, it's it's the law was a schoolmaster or a tutor that was meant to lead me to. I can't do this. Right. I can't live this way. Right. So as you read it, hopefully you're feeling the pain that we are. This is a lot. Yeah. And we're not even done yet. We are still we still got territory to, to, to cover. We're yeah. not finished yet. The, the law of Moses was a burden. Make no mistake, it was God's burden, and it was meant to showcase some elements. But one of those showcased elements was that the law was never going to be enough to atone for sin, never going to be enough to make me right with God. There's too much. I'm a failure. God needs to step in and save me. And that's really the point. The law is meant to crush you, not to
0: encourage you and say, Look how great I am at doing this. Yeah. The law is meant to humble you. That's yeah. That's the point. Yep. Yeah. Great point and super helpful. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine the anxiety looking down at, at your hand and being like, Oh no, is that just a, a scrape or do I have leprosy? Am I unclean? Dude, oh I no. Mean, that would be life changing, right? Because you, you it's a it's a, a social death sentence. It is. You get to hang out with lepers for the rest of whoever they are, right? You get to hang out with those guys. Social and religious. Again, because you can't you can't go and enter into the religious life of of the
1: people, right? I mean, it would it would have been awful. Yeah, it would have been a, a game changer of the of epic
0: proportions. Praise God for Jesus. That's right. Yeah. All right, guys, keep reading your Bibles and tune in tomorrow. David Atonement, man, one of my favorite texts in Leviticus. Leviticus sixteen. All right. See you then. Bye.